Sagemont Church is a gathering of Christian believers in the southeast area of Houston, Texas. Today's message is from our senior pastor, Dr. John Morgan. Now then, we want to go to the Word. Very quickly to Psalm 139. 139. I've been doing some messages. I started them off by, this is recognizing who you are, and to understand that who we are, if we're believers, we're human beings, but God lives in us. The most important thing you know is that God is in you. And once you know God is in you, then the next order is follow me. Just follow me. I'll, I'll lead. I'm not going to tell you way ahead of time where we're going. Just follow me. Then the third thing that popped up was that if you'll follow me, there's going to be some times you won't understand. There will be some adversity that will come your way. Every day will not be a good. All of you are not going to be healthy and wealthy and wise. There's going to be some things you won't understand, but I will be with you wherever you go. Now, today I want us to look at something that I think is so critical. It's hard to know just where to put this in the series. But today I want to talk to you about thanking God for your uniqueness. Even though we have a lot in common, if we're believers, we know that we're, we were once all sinners. We're still sinners, but we're sinners saved by grace and that God lives in our life. We all know that God loves us equally. We also know that God has a plan and a purpose for our lives. But the thing that sometimes we don't understand that really messes us up, and especially when we're young, we get off track to when we don't understand that when God made each of us, he threw away the mold. There's nobody like you. Nobody. And until you understand that, that you are made one of a kind because the God that made you, saved you through his son, lives in your heart through the Holy Spirit, has a plan for you, your personality, your looks, your race, your finances, you name it, your environment, whether you're in school or at the factory or retired or wherever you are, you're one of a kind. And the biggest problem that many have right off the bat that I'll start with in a second is you want to be like somebody else. You are gullible to be a follower. And the world thrives on you because while the rich get richer and the poor get poorer, it's because most people are followers and the rich just simply move out and move out and move out and take advantage of your vulnerability to want to be like what everybody else is like. So let's talk about that, okay? Now, this scripture is an incredible scripture. It's in the 139th Psalm. I want you to stand. I'm going to read to you from the 13th through the 17th verse. Psalm 139, <clears throat> beginning with the 13th verse, <clears throat> David writes, for, for you have possessed my reins, talking to God, you have covered me in my mother's womb. I'm going to praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from you when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect, and in your book all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned when as yet there was none of them. Stop right there. You understand when you were made, something entered the world 
and you were the first one to bring it into the world in God's plan and God's purpose. There's something real unique about you. If you ever find out what that is, it's going to be a wonderful day in your life. Let's be seated. Thank you for standing for the reading of God's Word. <clears throat> trusting God's will, trusting God's way. We talk about that, and it is so important. But the one thing that's the hardest for us to deal with many, many times is that God made us differently. And he did it for a purpose. He was putting together that perfect environment, that perfect world that he wanted to get the gospel to. And everybody was put in a place where you live, where you were born, who your parents were, when you moved, where you went to school, where you go to work. All of it, all of it. God has a plan for it. And God made me who I am, and God made you who you are. God doesn't want you to be like me. He doesn't want me to be like you, but he wants both of us to be like him. But he wants to take who you are and use you in a special way. He wants to use me in a special way. He wants to use your family members in a special way. He wants to use your best friend in a special way. And he wants to use the person that may be the one you think, boy, I love her, I love him, I hope we get married one day. I don't know what all your story is, but I'm telling you something. Everybody matters to God, and everybody's got a unique place in God's purpose. Everything God created was unique. The design, the shape, the size, the color, the style. One day we were handing out Bibles at the church years ago. I'll never forget this as long as I live. There was a real tall man that was waiting to get his Bible. And he must have been 6'6". He looked like he was 10'4", but I would say 6'6 to me. Right behind him was a man that was probably 5 foot. While I was giving out the Bibles to this one, I heard the conversation. And the short guy said to the tall guy, he said, you sure are tall. You play basketball? And the tall guy looked down at the short guy. He said, well, you sure are short. You play miniature golf? <laughs> My thought was, here's a tall guy that didn't play basketball, and he was tired of people asking him if he played basketball. That's kind of what I got out of that little, you know, that little deal. But God made him tall for some reason. And God made him short for some reason, but it don't have to be miniature golf or basketball. But there is something about your uniqueness that's very special. Now, Paul, uh, uh, David said in the psalm, he said, you covered me in my mother's womb. In other words, you were in there, you were in that dark womb. You were putting me together, nose, ears, eyes, whatever. And he pictures God as the master creator and designer, understanding that God has to do it uniquely different in every case. He has, you know, the two ears or one nose, one mouth or whatever. And, uh, you know, like my grandmother said, he gave you two ears and one mouth. That means you're to listen twice as much as you're to talk. And that kind of helped me when I was eight years old. And... <laughs> But, the, but the, the, the point is that in that darkness, God worked in the dark, but he was creating you. But listen to me, young people, listen to me, because you will never get beyond this. 
Most people of every generation want to be like somebody else. Listen to me. Listen to me, young people. Listen to me, children. If you make up your mind to follow others, you will never be a leader. Did you hear what I said? You will never be a leader. If you're one that wants to be like the group, you want to be like all your friends, you want to look like them, dress like them, do what they do, act like them, if they like it, you like it, listen to me, mark it down, you will never be a leader. God called you to be a leader in something. You are the best at something. There is something that you are good at and you are better at it in glorifying God than anybody else. When you find that, it's going to be a happy day. David recognized the fact that God created him physically, mentally, and emotionally in a way that would glorify him. Same is true of you. Same is true of you. Some of you have experienced already in your young life some things that are horrible. But they have, because they have happened and that the sovereign God allowed them to happen, he's preparing you and protecting you from things that were going to come in your life later on that you will not be vulnerable to like others that have not experienced what you've experienced already in your, long, in your young life. If God would have wanted you to look different, think different, or act different, on the day of your birth, he could have made it happen. It's a happy birthday because it's a unique birthday. Every birthday is special because one day, whatever your birthday is, on that day, God made a one of a kind. There's none like you, none. Job said in the 10th chapter, verse 8, your hands have made me, fashioned me together, round about, yet you are destroying me. Remember, I beseech you that you have made me as the clay, and will you bring me into dust again? Have you not poured me out as milk? And curdled me like cheese. You have clothed me with skin and flesh and have fenced me with bones and sinews. He's talking about all this when he's going through, but God, you made me. You put me together. I understand this, but man, I'm in a mess. This devil's got a hold of me and you turned him loose on me and I'm having problems. Well, you know, if you read the rest of the book, that God straightens it out. But the psalmist said this in that, 70, in that 119th Psalm, verse 73, he said, Your hands have made me, God. They fashioned me. Give me understanding that I might learn your commandments. He says, God, you made me. Now help me understand, why did you make me like this? Why did you make me like this? Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, Jeremiah 1.5, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Hey, macho man, you might not know Jeremiah, but Jeremiah liked to cry. He wasn't so macho. He had, he had very tender emotions. Jeremiah was a weeping, crying prophet. I can guarantee you there's a lot of times when Jeremiah was with, with the men that he thought, God, I, don't let me cry. Don't let me break down. I want to be macho like these other guys. I mean, they got zero emotions, you know? Well, God had purpose. That's another story. But my dear friend, if you fail to accept the way God made you and where he placed you, you're going to have a problem in this life. If you have not come to the, to, to the understanding that God had this plan, he made you unique. As David said, I am fearfully and wonderfully made, 
And if you don't understand, even though you don't like your nose, you don't like your ears, you don't like your eyes, you wish you had this color eyes and all this kind of stuff, and if you can just get enough money, the plastic surgeons will take care of every problem you got. You're going to live a life of misery. David said, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. You say, yeah, I guess so. I guess David would say that. Do you read what Samuel said about David? <clears throat> Here's what he said, 1 Samuel 16, 12. Now, this is what David says. He sent me and brought him in. He was ready, had a beautiful countenance, and goodly to look at. The Lord says, rise and anoint him. I said, man, if I look like David, I could go along with what you're talking about. I don't think I'd do a thing to myself. He was a musician. He was a soldier. He's a warrior. I mean, you just name it. David had it all together. He was a, I mean, you know, he got in trouble because him and Bathsheba. He had all that stuff going. But let me read you about another person in the Bible. Isaiah, the prophet, wrote this, chapter 53, verse 2 and 3. For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, as a root out of dry ground. He has no form nor, nor comeliness. And when we shall see him, there's no beauty that we should desire him. He's despised. He's rejected of men. He's a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Who are we talking about? His name is Jesus. I just read you a description of Jesus. You say, it's wrong. I've seen the movie. <laughs> He's good looking. Those eyes, that skin, his physique, those abs on the cross. Oh, no, 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 no. God's only begotten son. You just read the description. It says definitely, definitely the opposite. No beauty that we should desire of him. No stately form, no physique. But he was the son of God. And God took Jesus, that humble servant, and changed the world with his life. Those stories are very special. Last week I saw something on YouTube. Thanks to our wonderful media team, they got it all together to show you just an excerpt. I don't know if the name Kevin Grow means anything to you. Kevin has Down syndrome. He's a teenager. For the last few years, he's been the manager of the Ben Salem High School in Ben Salem, Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. He took care of their dirty clothes for four years. But in the last game of the season, the team and the coach said, let him play. Kind of like the Rudy story. You remember Rudy from Notre Dame? Said, let him play. I want to show you what happened. He scored four three-pointers in the last few minutes of the, foot, of the basketball game. Only Wilt Chamberlain ever did that anywhere else, even in pro basketball. And the Philadelphia 76ers have... Gave him a two-day contract. Well, let's just look at it. It's real brief. I want you to look at Kevin Grow, and you'll see. Well, the buzz around uh, Philadelphia has been the uh, story that has really taken on national headlines. 18-year-old Kevin Grow, who has uh, Down syndrome, but is a, a senior at a local high school called Ben Salem. He's a student manager, and the last two games of the year, they put him on the floor. How about that? 
In his last game, he had three triples en route to 14 points. Makes uh, your heart sing as you can see uh, the uh, students around celebrating. And then yesterday at practice in Philadelphia with the Sixers, he signed a uh, ceremonial two-day contract with head coach Brett Brown doing the honors. So uh, Kevin Groh will put on a uniform here tonight. He will be in the locker room, has a spot in the locker, and uh, obviously uh, just a heartwarming, incredible story. And he's uh, been on the floor here practicing. As you can see, he could really uh, shoot that basketball. And uh, what an amazing story. It is, Fred. I mean, to me, even though things are not going good for this franchise right now, they still understand their importance to the community yep. and, and what and where they belong in the community. That's what I, I like about the whole situation. And, fellas, the, uh, the power of social media, as uh, Ben Salem High School knew that they were going to put Kevin on the floor for the final two games, his only two games of his career, and students rallied around him, deciding to uh, solicit participation fans, and they filled two gyms the last two games, all because of social media, to come out and cheer on Kevin Groh. Kind of hard to uh, not have a dry eye in that place. Yeah, that's a great story, fellas. Well, the other team didn't do it. I can just see the high school trophy room 25 years from now, and Kevin Grove signs with the Philadelphia 76ers, probably the only person ever graduated from the school. See, God has a plan, folks. God's got a way. God's got something special for all of us. Maybe not that we can shoot a three-pointer. Maybe we'll never make a basketball team, but God's got something else for us. That's the point. God spoke to Moses. Here's what he said in Exodus 4. The Lord said unto him, Who has made man's mouth? And who makes the dumb or the deaf or the seeing or the blind? Have not I the Lord? You see, Jesus even affirmed God's hands in infirmities. And when Jesus was asked by a certain man who was born blind, he replied in John 9, 3, Jesus answered, Neither has this man sinned nor his parents, but the, that the works of God should be made manifest in him. Listen, that blows the theology of 50% of you that are listening to me right now. You don't understand. It's in our weakness that God is made strong. Our plan here is not for everybody to be PhDs. God's plan is be who you are and be what God wants you to be and I will be glorified in your life and you will be blessed in your life and good things will happen to you because you made the decision to follow me and let me use what you're good at. I've seen many people that have special needs, disabilities, handicaps, and they're the most loving people I've ever been around in my life. Oh, for their innocence. Oh, for their sweetness. Oh, for their respect. Oh, for the way they bring joy to, to so many that are around them. Jesus said it. God wanted to be manifested. He had a plan. He'll explain it to us later. You say, well, 2,000 years ago, I can understand that. I can see why it's worth a man being blind all of his life in order that, or much of his life in order that God can be glorified. Can you see it today? See, that's the question. Can you see it today? Do you understand? It's all about him. And that he has a way of just putting in those real special things into the world that he has created in order that we might see just a little bit of Jesus. I'll tell you something. We'll never be able to accept other people as they are until we're able to under accept ourselves as we are. We all have strengths and we all have weaknesses. 
We all have things we're good at, and we have things we are bad at. We all have different personalities. Some personality traits that, that all of us have are good, and some of them are bad. But in and through it all, God is at work. He is, he is putting everything out there, and we are to accept the way God made us and thank him like David did and thank him like Job did, that thank him that God, I know that I'm not mature enough to understand it yet, but I'm just going to trust you. I'm just going to trust you. How wonderful it is when you go through high school, and Bill was talking about it a while ago, you go back to your high school reunion, you see 25 of those guys or girls that you asked God to let you marry when you were in high school, and you say, thank God, you said no. <laughs> God has put it all together. You think back your life if you're 30 years old, 35. You think about how close you came to do something that you knew was against the will of God, but everybody was doing it and you didn't want to get thrown out of the social crowd. But you somehow said no. Or maybe your daddy came over and grabbed you by the collar and said, get in this car, you're not going. And you hated your daddy for the first 10 years of your life after that. But now if you could get him out of the grave, you'd hug his neck and say, thank you, God. I could have ruined my life that night. But you put before me something that stopped me. 1 Corinthians 4, 7. Listen to this. For who makes you to differ from another? And what have you that you did not receive from God? Now, if you did receive it, why do you glory as if you had not received it? In other words, accept yourself, acknowledge yourself, don't pretend, but just be who you are. In the 16th verse, and well, all of the verses I read a while ago, it's just over and over and over. God, you own me, you possess me, you covered me in my mother's womb. Marvelous are your work. I know that now. See, God controls our time on this earth. And let me tell you something else. Our time is limited. The New Testament says, appointed unto man once to die. Listen to what the psalmist said. Psalm 31, 15, my time is in your hand. Job said, man's days are determined. You have decreed the number of his months, and you've set limits that he'll not exceed. Paul said in Acts 17, and has made of one blood all the nations of men to dwell on all the face of the earth, and listen, and has determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation. There's a time to be born. There's a time to, be die, to die, Solomon said. There's a time to laugh. There's a time to cry. There's a time to, to rejoice. There's a time to be sad. There's a time for everything. But to, in order to understand what's the proper time, you have to be who you are and not ever get to any point in your life when you see yourself having to do everything that your generation is doing all the way to when you're a senior adults. When you stop and look back and say, no, I'm not going to be like others. I'm going to be like God made me. Boy, that's a wonderful day. Now, younger you can find that out, the better it's going to be. Don't you ever be, be, be upset when you're rejected of men. Jesus was rejected of men. Why? Because he was doing the will of the Father. He had his call. His call was not to be one of the group. 
His call was to be the King of kings and the Lord of lords and to die and be buried and raised from the grave to, so he could come and live in the hearts of everybody that was going to need him in 2014 and other, every other generation. When David said, my time is in your hands, he meant exactly that. Yes, I want to say it again. I said it in the beginning. God chose who, who your parents were. Were you born in wedlock or out of wedlock? Where you were born, the social media, the social status that you had. All of that was chosen by God. Now, God can handle if you want to get mad at him, but if you want to say, God, I just praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made, and I just know you've got a plan, in some way this fits in. And I could show you at my age hundreds of people that were raised in those environments that have become the leaders of the cause of Christ in the United States and around the world. God used them to help them understand the people that Jesus came to seek and to save that were lost. The power of temptation, the high cost of low living, that's all out there. But there's more. God not only made you special for the world, but for his body, the church, if you're a Christian. God has a place for you in the church first, if you're a believer. That's the reason for the VIP. When Wade came up here a while ago and saying, we need 100 people, could that be you, 15 minutes? To give that word in that eight minutes, that critical eight minutes, where you're able to just greet someone because you're Mr. or Miss Personality, and you have a way of people knowing you really care about them, you love people, and you say, I, I want to do that. I can do that. I'm in business. I work with the public. I'm in medicine. I'm in education. I, I have a way to, uh, of greeting people, and, and they know I care. Listen, that may be the place for you. There is a place in the body of Christ. Romans 12, 4 says, For us, we have many members in one body. All the members don't have the same gifts. So we being many are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another, having then gifts differing according to the grace that God gave us. Some of you don't need to be on the VIP. Your countenance has changed because you've been bitter for a long time. It's hard for you to be be polite hard for you to greet people you've been hammered and all you kind of back up and all that's okay don't 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 get out god's got a place for the hammered and the knockdown and put down it's just not the vip team okay <laughs> if god hasn't given you the music don't volunteer the choir's full we need nobody in the in the choir if you can't sing <laughs> that's what church is all about that's what the evangelism conference was all about they saw a difference God wants, I'm going to get in, in some hot water right now, but we're almost through. I'm going out the back door. <laughs> God wants you to not only work in the church, he wants you to work in the world. Now, hold on a minute. Hold on a minute. I'm talking to a lot of people. You don't have a job. You know why you don't have a job? Because you had not found the right job. There's jobs everywhere. They're not the right job. They don't pay enough money. They're not my I'm educated for this, and I'm overqualified. That's another word. I'm overqualified. Until I can get what I want, I'm not going to work. Let me tell you something. God wants you to take your gifts 
and put it in places where they pay minimum wage maybe for right now. You get in the will of God working and you see what God does with your life. And I could tell you many stories of what I'm talking about where I just simply said, I'd rather do that. I can't, I've witnessed to the dog and he's not gonna get saved. I am totally convinced my cat is of the devil. And, and, and I've, I've witnessed to the parakeet and the squirrels in the backyard and I'm just waiting my wife to come home from work. Listen, get out in the world, work for God. And my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Forget Obama and Washington. Forget the Republicans. Forget everybody else to supply your need. Your God will supply your need. And when you get out there, I can tell you hundreds of stories, and some of them are sitting right here right now, that God took them from a minimum wage to an incredible position because they were discovered by somebody God led to them and said, what are you doing here? I need you over there. And that was the beginning of the story, and it keeps on going and going and going. Why? Because God wants us when we're alive to be out there where where the, the fish are to catch them. Get out there and live and love. Love God, love people, and live for God. If God has enabled us to move about, he has a place for us to serve. Jeremiah said in the 29th chapter, verse 11, for I know the thoughts I think towards you, says the Lord, the thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. People like to talk about the will of God. What's the will of God? You know how you know the will of God? No God. Real simple. Like the Yogi Berra says, when you come to the forks in the road, what does he say? Take it. Well, that don't help. Oh, yes, it does. When you come to the forks of the road, just hold on to God. He's already picked. Just follow him. Take it. Come to the forks of the road, take it. God will lead you where he wants to lead you. He will take you where he wants to take you, and he'll set the timing so that when you arrive, it's God's perfect timing just follow him now if the other one didn't upset you this one probably will <laughs> your position on abortion will be determined not by your politics your position on abortion if you're a believer will be determined by your acceptance or denial of whether you believe that God, as he said, has a plan for every life. End of my discussion. Either God's got a plan for every baby that's conceived, regardless how, how it's conceived, or he does not have a plan. He says, I've got a plan. It may not be for you to be the parent. Adoption may be the best way to go. But trust me, God's got a plan for that baby. He planned it out before the foundation of the world. And that choice is ours to make, knowing I make it. I don't know that it's best for the baby, but I know it's best for you, God, because you told me that you made this child and you had a plan for it. And I want to just trust you. And I know you love me and I know you've forgiven me. If sin was involved in the conception, God loves you anyway. Don't you go around the rest of your life feeling hammered and knocked down. Just know that when God... When God uh, forgives, he forgets. But for the future, God's got a plan for every child, everyone. Yesterday, 
I was in a little barbecue place where I live in Bay Cliff, Texas. It's a very humble place. Man's name is Bill that owns it. I think it's called the Hog Pit or the Hog Pen or something. I don't know, but it's got a great barbecue. Little humble building. Bill came to Sagemont when he was a little boy. He told me when we went to his barbecue place, he said, I got saved in your church. He was telling me yesterday about the adversity in his life, some decisions he's got to make, selling out of his little place with no advertisement, all just word of mouth and so forth. Uh, anyway, he was telling me. While he was talking to me, he walked back to cut on my sandwich, and he let me in a little early. I got there about 1030, and my wife has broken her leg, so I was her caretaker yesterday, and, and I went down to get, get the sandwich, and I looked down on the floor, and I saw a penny. When I saw the penny, I thought of a story that was told here by John Capriva about after the storm came and, you know, his house was wiped out and he was mowing his yard and he looked down, he saw something shiny, he picked it up as a penny. When he looked at the penny, it said, in God we trust. See, most people won't pick up a penny. I pick up everyone I see ever since I heard that story. Not that I need the penny, but I could use it. But anyway, <laughs> but in God we trust. I looked down, I looked down, and then he turned back, so I looked back up again. I just forgot about it for a minute. But then he shared with me, and he kind of what's going on, and it's kind of passed her to conversation. I'm not going to go into that, but anyway, he's a wonderful guy, him and his wife. So I, I took my sandwich, and I started out to the car. As I started out to the car, I looked down, and there was a penny. So I picked up the penny. I took about three more steps, and there was a penny. And I thought, wow, we're going through a lot of adversity in our family. My son's been ill, as many of you know, four major operations, twice dying on the operating table. Now wife with a broken leg, and God we trust, and God we trust, and God we trust. I picked up both pennies, went back in and told him, I said, Bill, look right there. You see there's a penny down on the floor. I want you to pick it up and read what's on it. And here's two more that was between here and my car. So I gave him three pennies back, and he teared up and we rejoiced in the Lord and say, you know, we can trust God. And I thought, well, should I tell that story or not to end my sermon today? And I said, well, I don't know. Well, when I came in this morning, I was standing right back there at that door. A man walked up to me and handed me two pennies. <laughs> I have a cross right in the middle of them. He said, we did 2,500 or 25,000 of these yesterday. I don't know how many, but anyway, top it out. I said, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell the story. In God we trust been hit to me four times so I just throw it at you I don't know what's going on in your life God knows what's going on in your life I don't know what the end result is going to be God knows what the end result is going to be but I know one thing you can trust him I close by reading the words of one of the greatest songs ever written there was a little girl born by the name of in 1975 Fanny Crosby Fanny Crosby when she was six weeks old due to an error error and treating her as a little baby she went blind when she went blind she never regained her sight she wrote songs in 1875 and they're still sung in the church today many of her songs one of the songs was all the way my savior leads me listen to the words and we're through all the way my savior leads me what have i to ask beside can i doubt his tender mercy who through life has been my guide heavenly peace and divinest comfort here by faith in him to dwell. For I know whatever befalls me, Jesus doeth all things well. For I know whatever befalls me, Jesus doeth all things well. All the way my Savior leads me, oh, the fullness of his love. Perfect rest to me is promised. 
in my Father's house above. When my spirit clothed immortal wings his flight to realms of day, this my song through endless ages, Jesus led me all the way. This my song through endless ages, Jesus led me all the way. He'll lead you if you'll just let him do with you what he created you to do. Quit trying to be like other folks. Quit trying to be like the culture and be what God made you to be. And you've got a wonderful life ahead of you. I can promise. Dear God, I pray now you'll bless us as we sing. I need thee every hour. Father, it seems that sometimes it's every minute. But I know this, you've never failed. And I know, Father, the greatest temptation, I guess, until you die is to be like everybody else. But somehow, God, somehow you've been able to find some that would just be who you made them to be. And you have taken them from birth until now. And you want to lead them safely home. But may we all leave here today with a fresh commitment. I'm going to follow him. And I'm going to be me. Christ in me. Christ and me. The hope of glory. May you bless now this invitation. In Jesus' name, amen. We pray that today's message has brought you to a closer relationship with Jesus Christ. Join us Sundays at 9.30 and 11 a.m. at Sagemont Church in the Worship Auditorium. For more information, check us out at www.sagemontchurch.org.